0: Welcome to TMI, a podcast by Henry Ford Allegiance Health, and today we have another episode of this wonderful show, and Tim is in the studio with us. Hi, Tim. Hey, Dave. How's it going? Uh, it's going okay. You know, it seems like with these podcasts, I always have a health issue. <laughs> <laughs> that
1: seems like you in general, Dave. Oh, yeah, yeah. I will say that. But yeah, you are. You are You are a resident person who gets to go through all the health issues first, I think, oh, for more Oh,
0: I've been tapped as that? Yes. Wow, I'm so lucky. But, you are. Uh, my most recent thing is I've been biking a lot, you know, trying to get healthy. We've been yeah. doing this race to health uh, health challenge thing. Um, I did running last year. That didn't work so well for my knees, so that was a podcast yes. opportunity. <laughs> yes, I um, remember that. This year I've been doing biking, and it's been great. It's been amazing. I've been building up muscles in my legs. and A little easier on the joints. A lot easier on the joints, but I didn't anticipate... With that extra muscle comes extra strain on different parts of your body. So mm. my Achilles tendon has been just like tight, That's and not like good. every morning I wake up, I know I'm getting older, but you know it's just tight. So um, we wanted to uh, kind of find out a little bit more about that, um, talk more about it, talk more about it, yes. and uh, and get to the bottom of what all this stuff is, and learn more about kind of just the foot and all that kind of stuff. So. Um, before we get into it, though, I wanted to make sure that everybody knows this podcast is for informational purposes only. If you have specific um, things that are wrong or if you have th- things that you want to learn about, please contact your own physician. And um, yeah, this is just a podcast. <laughs> and go from there. Well, that, yeah, you mentioned though that's why we, you know, all your aches and pains. So we get to invite doctors mm-hmm.
1: on here to help figure out your problems. Yeah. Dave. Yes. No. So really. I want to introduce our <laughs> guest today, uh, Dr. Andrew Moore who's an orthopedic surgeon for us. Welcome, Dr. Moore. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, and you obviously, I think we mentioned already, focus specifically on the foot and ankle.
2: That's right, that's right.
1: Yeah. So, you know, kind of just, I guess, some background. What kind of led you into doing orthopedic surgery or foot and ankle? Is there something that kind of, when you're going to medical school or? You know, I've always been kind of a mechanically inclined person. And I like
2: science. I was a science major um, in, in college. Um, and so, you know, I, I, um, I had orthopedics around me. I had a family member who was an orthopedic surgeon. Um, so I, um, knew what it was, um, but I had kept an open mind and Mm -hmm. went to medical school. And the good thing about that is you can sort of see lots of different things, um, within that path. And I gravitated towards orthopedics though, and ended up, ended up doing that, um, and I wasn't sure. From there, it took a few years of my residency before I decided what I wanted to focus on, yeah. or whether I wanted to focus at all. You don't have to focus; you can stay general. But um, I was, you know, foot and ankle at that time was kind of 15 years behind. I thought um, the rest of orthopedics, and that sounds bad, but actually, it's not. It makes it more exciting because it was sort of growing very quickly. Oh, okay, um, a lot of new techniques were coming out, and things that had not been successful previously were actually starting to work. Um, and you know, it had more variety than anything else. Uh, it's a, it's actually a pretty complicated structure for being so small. Yeah. And so, um, there's, I think there's more different surgeries and procedures and problems and ailments in the foot than the rest of the orthopedic world. So.
0: Yeah. So, what are some of those common issues that you find with people? You know, as they come in,
2: there's, there's, there's a handful of things that are just seems like most of us get at some point in our life. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's probably what we see the most. And the, some of the most common ones are, um. Achilles tendonitis, you know, people say you're Achilles mm-hmm. heel. Well, they yeah. say it for a reason. Um, that's a that's a real common problem. And it's not exactly the same thing, but it's kind of in the same spectrum as this thing that a lot of us also deal with, especially during our working years, called plantar fasciitis. They used to call heel spur. Yeah. We see a lot of that. Oh. Um, and then, of course, you see the arthritis, the ankle arthritis. People have toes that are crooked and want to have a mind <laughs> of their own, go different directions, hammer toes, uh, bunions. Um, and then, um, and that can present, sometimes that's not a problem. Sometimes it's a huge problem. Like you can't wear shoes very well. It's painful all it the time. It limits what you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that's, there's a lot of different forms of all these things, but th-
1: those are things that I see overall, uh, pretty commonly. Yeah. Are those, is it, you know, it's jobs that people do. Is it just old age? Is it just kind of random? You know, we used to
2: blame shoes for everything and, you know, ill fitting shoes, shoes that are too small. A lot of our feet get. Bigger as we get into adulthood, we don't realize that they go up about a half size. Oh, really? Um, and uh, so a lot of people, the shoes that they fit them when they were 25 don't fit them that well when they're 50, um, and so they get the blame. But actually, I think that ill-fitting shoes really bring out problems more than cause the problems. And they used to be blamed mm-hmm. for bunions, and you know, certainly those those pointed stilettos probably not the best thing <laughs> if you have any tendency towards bunions at all. But um, they're not necessarily the cause. It's probably things that you can't control, like your genes um, and getting older. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's just that's just part of life sometimes. Yep. So, Sorry, Dave. Well You're no just that's getting great. older. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um,
0: but so for people, what are some of the th- common things that people can do day to day to protect their feet from these kind of damage or well, I mean, I worse. think
2: it starts with a little bit of common sense. You know, mm-hmm. this is a structure that holds up your body that you ask a lot of. And it needs to be protected. Um, so you, it sh- your shoes should fit your foot. And if, you're, if you if if you you just feel that when you put your shoes on, it's just uncomfortable, I challenge people to take a piece of paper, put it on the floor, and trace out their f- shoe, okay. and then trace out their foot. Their foot needs to fit inside of the shoe. <laughs> <laughs> and And if it doesn't, then you need to consider having your feet measured the next time you go to a shoe store and get the right size shoe. That sounds so simple. It it does. But I mean,
1: -hmm. like I said, common sense, like you have to fit within your shoe to be
2: comfortable. That's right. Um, And then, you know, people's feet come in different sizes or different shapes, different sizes. Some people have flat feet. Some people have higher arches. Um, And it's not a problem to have a high arch. It's not a problem to have a flat foot. I used to say having flat feet is not a crime, but what works for a foot that's flatter doesn't always work for a foot that has higher arches. So when it comes to shoes, if you've got a flat foot, most of those are pretty, you're usually pretty flexible. Uh, the arch mm. sags when you put weight on it. Um, you might look for a shoe that has um, a little bit more arch support in it. That makes sense. Um, that they, it's, they say a little bit more corrective. It can correct your foot into more of a, a middle of the road shape. If you have a higher arch foot, trying to put a shoe on that looks like the bottom of your foot, that is, has a high arch support, yeah. actually might push you onto the side of your foot and might tell your foot that Uh, A higher arch foot is typically more rigid. So if you wear a shoe with a higher arch support, you might be asking your foot to do something it doesn't want to do. A flat foot tends to be... um it likes direction. It likes to be. It likes to be corrected. A rigid foot likes to be accommodated. So, okay. um, a mm. lot of people get into trouble, especially our runners who are uh, tend to have very energetically efficient feet. That's why they're good at running. Those <laughs> higher arches. But if they wear a shoe that's trying to tell that foot where to be, they end up having stress fractures, lateral foot pain, um, mm. chronic tendon tears, things like that. Okay. That if it's a simple adjustment and understanding what kind of foot you have. Um, is 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 a really you know it really matters the um the other thing is um you know, don't get talked into, Putting on a shoe at a shoe store and having someone say, "Well, you know what? You'll, you'll break these in. They'll, I know they're uncomfortable now, but they'll be they'll be comfortable. <laughs> you'll like them. Um, if they don't, if they're not comfortable, they're not comfortable. Um, it, there's no magic to it. Um, you might want to go later in the day too, if you tend to prone to be prone towards swelling, because feet get a little larger as you're yeah. as you swell. So, yep, you know, and swelling gets worse during the day. So go later in the day if you have any tendency towards swelling. So it's better to have a shoe that's a little loose." Uh, especially in the morning, then that then it's too tight and confining later in the day.
1: Yeah, I have heard that your feet do swell, and you get you know maybe if you're on your feet, go at the end of the day, get some shoes. Um, so, and I hear you saying this like shoes can definitely be a problem for people, but they can also help too, right? Absolutely, absolutely.
2: Um, you could get, I mean, there's, you know, people have ankle instability going to a higher top or a mid-top shoe, just, you know, you don't necessarily have to put on an ankle brace every time you go out to a picnic and you're on uneven ground or you're playing some recreational sports. You know, a, a hiking boot makes a big difference for a lot of people, okay. and it's actually true for arthritis as well. Um, patients who develop arthritis in their midfoot, which is extreme, almost universal, um, sometimes a more rigid sole shoe. Um, or one that has a little bit more of a curve to the bottom. And what I mean by that is if you look at it from the side, the sole is curved a little bit. Um, and that allows you to sort of rock through your your, your gait. Um, oh. And it doesn't bend so much through the midfoot, and it takes some pressure off of those joints.
1: Okay. So like, I remember that was I mean, probably a couple of years back now. They had those shoes that were... Yeah, that brand of shoes was kind of like you said it was very curved it was very the, curved by too much that, so it made it
2: rigid it was good for midfoot arthritis but it was bad for about everything else
1: yeah. so oh. people couldn't couldn't stay upright yeah. they would
2: slip and fall and then oh. I think it became a liability or that kind of thing mm-hmm. yeah.
1: but, and I totally understand that because I know I got some shoes as a gift I, I run I used to run more very rarely now but I got some shoes as a gift I wore them twice and I started to get shin splints and I started to get my mm-hmm. just a lot of leg pain mm-hmm. I went back to the shoes I had been fitted for when I actually went to a running store, pain went away. Yeah, wow. it was it was pretty awesome. I mean, I was disappointed that the shoes that I got as a gift I couldn't <laughs> run, couldn't in. wear. Right?
2: Yeah, that that's right. The, the shin splints are because your muscles on the front that lift up your lift up your ankle that your tibialis anterior is the name of that where it attaches. It was being overworked, so your it was it was going all the time trying to keep you balanced, and then it and, and the and the leg wasn't up for it. You know, yeah. it just was it was too
1: much too quickly on that and. I think it was my son actually talking to me recently. He's they mentioned that the feet are complicated. I know they can affect like my shins, but there's more bones in it than any other, I guess, structure in your body. I is guess probably
2: right? I don't know if it, the hand is pretty close, but there's 28 bones in the foot plus the sesamoids. So, okay. um, and everybody has at least two sesamoids, and a lot of people have more than that um, what are the? sesamoids are these little bones that are within tendons and oh. and we don't they don't they get sort of neglected but there's one that everybody's familiar with and that's the kneecap yeah. which is the big oh. sesamoid in the body it helps tendons work better it gives a, a little bit more leverage when those tendons pulling on a bone and so it makes your make and especially if you if you don't have the 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 area, you know, if you're if you're a crane, you can hook a, a pulley and a cable to something and get all kinds of leverage. If you pull it away from the center of rotation. But in the in the human body, we don't have that privilege. You know, things have to be kind of streamlined. So yep. there's parts of our design involve things like sesamoids that really um, help um, focus strength in very small tight tight configurations. And uh, uh, one of the, the ones that I'm thinking of is the big toe. So when we walk off, 60% of our weight goes right off that big toe joint. Okay, And we have two sesamoid bones there that help help focus all of that pressure right in that tiny little area.
1: Hmm.
2: That seems like a lot that could... Go wrong, as well. <laughs> it can, and that joint is also the most arthritic, or common, or commonly arthritic. I think is what they say. Um, uh, joint in the body, certainly in the foot, and, and it probably in the entire body, which is the
1: the the joint at the base of the big toe. Yeah. So, I know. I mean, you mentioned arthritis. Is there anything that can be done? Is it just kind of? You said it's probably one of the most common. Do people just kind of live with it, or is there things it, you can do? You
2: know, it's like anything else. It, it, it's, it's a question of the magnitude. How bad is the problem? How much does it interfere? And what are the solutions? How Everything will make you different. The question is, does the solution make you better? And in a lot of cases, it does. We actually have a lot of options in certain parts of the body, um, or excuse me, certain parts of the foot, certain parts of the body, where... Where we have a surgical approach or even a non-surgical approach that can make a quite a dramatic difference, mm. um, but that's but it's so particular to where you're talking about what part of the body and, and the person itself um, that um sorry that um. So it's so particular to the part of the body that you're talking about. It it requires the expertise of somebody who does this a lot and who could really advise you on whether is surgery a good option for you, or maybe in this case that you might get a better result without surgery here, Mm -hmm. Um, or the risks of surgery here are just not worth it, or maybe they are. And that's so individualized and it really depends on what we're talking about and where we are. Mm
1: -hmm. That makes sense. So we talked a little about shoes. I guess, go ahead, Dave. No Good question. No, like what can people do? I guess if they're on their feet, is there different things to wear different things you can do to protect like if you're on your feet all day, mm-hmm. do you do something different as opposed to somebody who maybe sits at a desk most yeah. of the day?
2: I, I think so. I think that, um, a lot of us who have jobs where we're on hard floors and we're up, up eight, 12 hour shifts, you know, our nurses, our factory workers mm-hmm. are a lot of us who have sort of mechanical or just physical jobs, yeah. um, outside perhaps, um, you know the hard floor business. Really, you look for a shoe with more shock absorption. Um, the number one problem that people who walk on hard floors all day get is this heel pain called plantar fasciitis. Hmm. And they've looked at looked at different things. What makes a difference? What is it? Do you, do they need more arch support? Do they need more cushion? Um, they need to spend money on the custom orthotics. Mm-hmm. Um, in most cases, um, something simple like a sim- like a cushion orthotic. Which is over the counter, rather than a custom arch support, will work just as well, if not better, um, for those for those problems. They've done some nice comparison studies now, um, supporting the use of just simple over the counter cushion um, for people on hard surface floors. Now, if you're if you work outside, you do construction or you're out in the field or that kind of thing, um, you know, you might want to look for more of a high top, like a hiking boot because it's not just the ankle that has to move around, but there's other joints in the back of the foot. And those joints are just as commonly painful joints like the subtalar joint. Um, And to control motion in those and to prevent minor sprains or undue stress on tendons, sometimes it helps to have more of a high top boot for that. Yeah. Hmm.
1: So I'm thinking like when people are walking in, so they have a little bit of heel pain Mm -hmm. and, you know, maybe they do that it gets worse is there a point i guess when somebody really needs to see somebody like when when is that point or how do you determine that point when somebody should go i need to go to the doctor and get this yeah. looked at or i need somebody to take a look at this what's a normal pain that's
2: it's it, it, to, to me it's a it's a question is is the pain something that you're thinking about more than once or twice a day and is it interfering with, are you changing what you do because of that pain okay hmm. um, now there are things that happen that get your attention. Like you all of a sudden your foot is swollen. You can't hardly walk on it. Absolutely. You need to be seen right away for <laughs> yeah. something like that. But if, but the more common scenario is, yeah, you know, my foot's been bothering me a little bit more recently. Is this something I can just overlook or am I doing damage? Um, I think if, if you find that you are thinking about that at least a couple times a day, and, and, and it's not going away after a few days, then I think you should probably schedule a visit. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to need surgery. In fact, almost never it does, but at least you need to know what it is. And so you can, and, and you, you might be able to make a small individual change, either in your footwear or what you're doing and have that pain resolve. Or you might understand, or you might be told that that pain will resolve with time, which often happens, that it is some minor element, and that's going to work itself out. There's a lot of what we call self-limited problems out there. But you don't really know until you're, till you're, till you've you seen someone.
1: Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yeah, and if people are want to go in, I mean, they might be scared that, about surgery or something like that. So what are some of the kind of less invasive treatment options that are available and I, I go from there?
2: Th- I think that, you know, I, well, the point I like to try to make with patients um, – broadly is that 90% of the patients who have a problem bad enough to come to see me end up not having surgery hmm. so i only do surgery on about 10% of problems that i see and 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 that's across the board. Injuries are a little bit higher, but even a lot of injuries, even fractures, don't need surgery probably at least half the time. Wow. They do just as well without surgery. Ruptured Achilles often don't need surgery. They do just as well without surgery. They do. That doesn't mean they don't need treatment. They just mm-hmm. don't need surgery. Yeah. So going to see an orthopedic foot and ankle surgeon doesn't mean that you're signing up for surgery by any means. Okay. It means you're getting the perspective of someone who treats problems both with surgery and without. And I feel that doing surgery on feet and ankles is informs your knowledge of feet and ankles. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you can only use surgery to solve problems, but it gives you a a, a broader perspective. Um, And, you know, it's very rare that someone comes in and I would say, you have to have surgery. The only thing I can think of that would be in that scenario is if they had developed some kind of infection that was Mm -hmm. life-threatening right then and there. But other than that, there's not a whole lot of things that you absolutely have to have surgery for. Um, And I know a lot of people are scared of surgery, but I I always say, think of it as an option. Mm -hmm. And, And oftentimes Sometimes it is a very good option but it's not usually the only option
1: yeah hmm. makes sense and you mentioned too I don't know if there's if you can talk to this at all but like there's a lot of when you were going into the orthopedics and looking at foot and ankle there's a lot of innovations or a lot of hmm. different things that were new treat new treatments hmm. and new things coming out I guess ha- have can you talk about some of those things that you've seen, I guess? Yeah. yeah. You know,
2: right what one of the things that you, you hear on the news that people talk about is this ankle replacement business. And right when I when I was coming through my residency, ankle replacements were I think they were the they're depending on how you call it, either the third or the fourth generation. And that meant your first and second generations weren't doing very well. Otherwise you wouldn't need another generation. <laughs> but th- what was happening is they were actually starting to work. That people, we were restoring people's ankle motion without without high failure rates. And we're eliminating, the goal of that surgery is to get rid of the pain, number one, and number two, to preserve motion Mm -hmm. so we don't put undue stress on other joints. But number three, it needs to last. No Even if it was a wonderful operation for a year, nobody would want an operation that lasted a year and then had to be redone. So yeah. you need to have, and the other thing is, we all get older and we become less good candidates for surgery as we get older. So we don't wanna have an operation when we're healthy and 65 and now we're 85 and it's completely failed and now we're not mm-hmm. a candidate for surgery either. So we always have to keep things in the perspective of, of how long does it last? Is it gonna last for the rest of my life? Am I gonna to have to redo this? What are the goals of that? And, And Our technology, our understanding of the mechanics of foot and ankle had improved enough that we were able to have a durable implant that was stable and didn't sink or subside, which meant settle into the bone, Mm -hmm. um, and and therefore maintained its its alignment um, for the long term, that the bone would actually grow into the implant, and the implant would simulate what a natural joint did. And what essentially we were doing is getting similar results to what knee and hip replacements had already achieved. Mm. Okay. And that was all starting about 15 years ago, where things really started taking off. And that's probably what brought me, when I was a fourth-year resident, not knowing what I wanted to do, I did research at Michigan on um, the the alignment of a—it of a, it was the previous gener- generation total ankle now, but it was it was a total ankle called the salto talaris that was being done. And it was a new ankle, and we were putting them—we were doing a lot of research to see how they aligned in the ankle. And, and that was— uh, to me, very exciting. And so that mm-hmm. that sort of symbolized what was happening in foot and ankle, that we that we were figuring out how to make things actually last
1: and, and stay lined up correctly. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So I guess with the total ankle, you said surgery is like 10%. So I imagine that's probably even a smaller amount of actual total ankles and all that. A- absolutely. So the whole
2: total ankle world is interesting because total ankles for the right person are a great option, but they – the right person doesn't come along that often. And that's just the reality. Uh, Ankle arthritis is not nearly as common as knee arthritis. It's actually only a tenth as common. Mm -hmm. And it is typically something that you get because of either an inflammatory disease like rheumatoid arthritis, although rheumatoid arthritis actually doesn't favor attacking the ankle, so most rheumatoid arthritic patients don't end up with ankle replacements. Um, The other big category is um, injuries. So lots and lots of ankle sprains, a bad car accident, that kind of thing. And the problem is, is the things that cause arthritis of the ankle also cause alignment problems because the bone didn't heal properly or something's out of alignment. Well, the thing, those kind of issues make ankle replacement sometimes um, more treacherous. So that makes the the results less predictable, the, the, the outcomes aren't as good. And there's another option, which is an ankle fusion. And I would say that for most, if you look at the category of people who have painful arthritic ankles... Mm-hmm. Even today, with the advances that we've had in ankle replacements, the majority of patients are probably better served with an ankle fusion,
1: okay, so there's still lots mm-hmm. of options i mean stuff you have to individual person oh yes is like it has to go through that to understand what they really and,
2: and I would help them and I think you need to talk to somebody if you're gonna if you're having a problem with your ankle, I think you need to get the perspective of somebody who's seen the different options, both replacements and fusions, and can get can can help you with decide on what the best option is for you, gotcha.
1: Hmm. So curio- Just out of curiosity Because Dave I remember this too now My personal story yeah. Playing basketball In
0: Somebody broke your ankles
1: uh, <laughs> Well yeah Somebody <laughs> did break my ankles Yes No I probably sprained it Honestly I, I I rolled it really bad And it was You know When I was a kid They wrap it Ice it Lift it mm-hmm. And left it alone But I've always <laughs> noticed My right ankle Now that I play soccer It doesn't hurt It works fine Like I haven't any issues with it But I've noticed I can't lock it as well As my left
0: Mm-hmm
1: And, you know, those long-term things, it's probably, I mean, maybe there's nothing I could have done with it. But, I mean, I guess that goes to say you probably should see somebody when you have an injury like that.
2: (laughs) You know, it... Even if they don't end up doing surgery, at least you can understand your injury better. You know, you know, on your own, if you have an injury, you sort of make assumptions. You know, you assume yeah. that well, I can walk on it, so it's probably not broken. Or you know, or or, or it got better, it got a little bit better. It's probably just going to get better over time. But the reality is, you don't know 100 what actually even happened. You know, unless until the day comes that we have MRI scanners in our closets at home and we can <laughs> we can put our foot in there and a computer tells us. And even then, you still have to interpret it. Yeah. So if you have a significant injury, I think your safest bet is to see someone about. It. It.
1: Yep. Yep. That's Mm. my fault. Sorry. Yeah. That's that's my story from a long time ago. Let
0: me just get out my calendar here and look for a time to go in. Yes. I I get it now. (laughs) Cool. Well, and I find this whole topic to be so interesting because I don't realize very often how much, like, just pressure is on your feet. You're on them all the time and it supports your entire body. So to have something that complex supporting that much. It's just such an important thing to take care of. Absolutely, yeah. So, Tim, did you have any other questions? Uh,
1: no, I want to say thank you to Doctor Moore. I appreciate you coming in and spending time with us. I mean, there's so much. It probably is a lot more we could cover, mm-hmm. but but this would get really long.
0: That'll that'll be our second podcast. It'll be more with Doctor Moore.
1: More with Dr. Moore. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. So, thank you again, Doctor Moore, for coming in and sharing your knowledge with us. Well, we thank really you very appreciate much. Appreciate
0: it. Perfect. And also, Tim. If you want to find more of these podcasts, you can visit henryford.com slash podcast or find them on iTunes, Spotify, or any other platform that you can get podcasts.